From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me this week, uh, as with most weeks, I have Jeff Goodnow. How are you doing today, Jeff? Peach Akeem. Peach Akeem. All right. So... One thing we wanted to talk about today was uh, something that happened in the news recently, which was the closure of Orange, or uh, spelled with a J, which is a uh, wealth management software that's out there. The reason we wanted to bring it up is, uh, number one, it was abrupt. Uh, It left a lot of advisors uh, surprised and shocked and and, uh, having to make a quick decision. So, so we, we thought it's important to dis- discuss what happened as much as we could uh, you know, gather and, and what this means for the future of uh, fintech or advisor tech uh, when something like this happens. So uh, let's start, Jeff, with uh, it, what is Orange? What, what exactly do they do? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the short answer is there's a spectrum, but it was what we consider a model marketplace. It's a place that advisors could go and get trade signals from various providers and uh, uh, and be able to um, have the trades essentially there for them to implement right so the savings is the savings is time they don't have to do research they can just say oh I like this American funds model let me go ahead and, and grab this and uh, you know and, and initiate the trades now there's a spectrum and I think they were on the, the cool part was I think their software was pretty cool. They, I think they were on the, the better end or the higher end of the model marketplaces, some of them that I've seen. Um, and, and so they offered a lot of tools with that, but still it's a model marketplace. They offered signals well, and you go from there. Well, yeah. So the, traditionally the model marketplaces uh, are, are delivered as part of another tool, right? Whether it's Orion Communities or Riskalyze or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I thought Orange, from a UI perspective, was, was one of the, the nicest pieces of software uh, that we've seen. Uh, and, you know, they have anything from, I think they bought Trade Warrior um, years ago. So they had a trading rebalancing, client portal, uh, portfolio management. They, they had the full suite of tools uh, and, and then also had the, the, the model marketplace to, to go along with it. Um, but yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier where it's like you have your standalone model marketplaces where you just subscribe and then as you go up the spectrum, you have some that are more, more full service like, like this was. Yeah. And they seem to have, uh, I would say they, and and they had a a broad, um, they had a lot of models. They had a lot of different strategists and a lot of models. So from that perspective as well, it it sort of had the feel of a full TAMP. It just it that's not that wasn't their service. They're not. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're they're one of the first that offered uh, the freemium model. And so in in our industry, there's there's not a ton of freemium. Other places, obviously, that you know what the freemium model is. But in this case, it's <laughs> listen. An advisor would come to Orange. They would give you the software for free, all of it: the client portal, the rebalancing, the portfolio administration and accounting, for free. Uh, if you used uh, a handful of uh, managers in, in their model marketplace. And so, you know, there, there was an additional cost sometimes for customizations from what I read and what I heard. Um, but for the most part, the software was 100% free uh, and they would try to make it on the back end. So that, that was an interesting thing uh, with Orange that's that's probably unique from, from other folks. Um, 
you know, from reports that about 500 clients uh, using their system, no idea at the AUM or, or anything that went wrong. And this is important. Like, we, we don't know exactly what happened, right? A lot of this is just <laughs> speculation. Uh, only only the owner of the firm kind of knows uh, where that is. So, all right. So, based on, on, on what you know, uh, on what was reported and what, what, what we talked about, what, what do you think went wrong? Like, what, what are the, the first couple of points that we can discuss that where do things go wrong for a firm like this? Well, I think, you know, to me, I think we need to, to talk about freemium just a little bit more. I mean, that that concept is one that, yes, we've seen it in other places, but, you know, not all advisors necessarily know what that means, right? Uh, this is something that I'll go back to a former podcast, and, and we have made the statement that nothing in life is free. It just means it gets paid somewhere else. And so do you have some insight into what your version of freemium is, what you mean by that when you say that? Yeah, well, we have insight because we tried to get on the model marketplace um, and, you know, they they gave us the paperwork and, and we were about to get on and, and pay the launch fee. Um, and, and so good timing. It saved us a couple bucks. But uh, from what we can gather, they were charging the manager six basis points uh, in, in the marketplace. And so... The, the thought process uh, from this freemium model is we offer the software to free, for free. Uh, if they use these 20 managers, which I assume they're going to push hard because they have to get paid, uh, you get six basis points from the manager. And that sounds great on paper, but you have to scale really, really fast. You know, if, if to, software uh, development is, is not cheap. So if your only claim to fame is six basis points of a back-end rev share fee, uh, you, you got to push the scale button real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And that that lends itself to, to one of the issues that I have, which is, you know, I, I don't think they, for lack of a better phrase, I don't think they had great adoption. I mean, you know, that scale, which is another way to say it, right? Low adoption. It, it's, uh, in my experience at 25 whatever years, advisors, this really speaks to the whole signal selling mantra as much as it does Orange specifically, but I, I think there's a little bit of a struggle bus when it comes to advisors who are going to get signals from somebody are really doing so to save themselves a little bit of time on the research. But they still have to have all of the trade capability, even if it's using their you know that, that new system. They have to monitor the trades, watch the trades. They have to implement the trades. They have to make that final decision. Uh, if they go on vacation, nobody's going to do a trade unless they have some process set up. And so... I think what ends up happening is a lot of advisors that are in the position to be able to use something like an orange, well, they're already used to doing all their own stuff anyway. So I don't know whether that's really as big of a draw as what some model marketplaces think there is. So I don't know if that, that makes sense, right? It's yeah, I mean, I, I think a model marketplace and, and for the end user is a glorified newsletter. Pretty much. Um, you're 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 subscribing to get signals and there's nothing wrong with that there's people that use that and need that but on the back end if you're a firm trying to scale a model marketplace you have to have another you have to have some other avenues to charge um be, because to your point i we've always we've been on record over and over you know if you have the infrastructure in place to trade bill do the due diligence and all the compliance needed you likely also have the infrastructure to manage your own models. Are you really going to subscribe to, you know, models from Invesco and American funds at that point? Probably not. Um, and, and that's what we've seen, at least, right? The, the adoption has been very low 
and this is the what we think the reason is. Yeah, and I, I think it also speaks to sort of uh, the marketing of the advisor's office that is going to be a potential candidate for a model marketplace. And what I mean by that is very few advisors are going to start something and say, oh, well, I can get models here uh, in this model marketplace, and therefore I need X number of people to be able to, to, to finish the show, right? Um, instead, it's usually the candidates are the folks that are already have been doing it themselves for 15 or 20 years, and they have all those things in place, and they've been doing all the research. And so, you know, again, it goes back to are they really willing to give that up? And here's one of my concerns. If, if you are an advisor and you're using a model marketplace, chances are high, at least in my experience, those that I've spoken to, that you're not necessarily telling the clients, oh, I'm putting these American models uh, with this other, uh, you know, XYZ model with this Vanguard model in your account, right? Instead, you're simply putting yourself out there as I'm your financial planner, I'm your advisor, and I'm your money manager. So in this circumstance, this is one of the scary situations when somebody like an orange goes out of business, what trades are you going to do now? How fast can you come up with another solution? Because if the new place doesn't have the same thing, right? The client saw it as you, the advisor. It was your brainchild. They don't necessarily know all the stuff that's going on in the background. So, you know, that's that's just a scary proposition. It's like, look, at what point do you just turn it over to a full tamp and and that way you can describe and discuss these other strategists that you're putting together for the client if you want to fire them fire them at least it's not on you the advisor well we also i mean the direct experience i mean full disclosure our models are on various model marketplaces oh absolutely and and we've had conversations with these companies where they have admitted that the adoption has been poor and our models the adoption has been very poor uh, and, and, and we've pulled the models from a couple of different marketplaces where we're on. So uh, this yeah. isn't conjecture. We are, we, this is firsthand <laughs> experience of how, how the, 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 it's not, it's not really working right now in the industry. And, and to sum up, you know, these last couple of minutes, it, it, to me, advisors either outsource everything or they do it themselves. Right. And a model marketplace is just this middle ground where you're really just like a, you're a glorified newsletter. And, and, and that's not something that can survive in this industry unless you're charging somewhere else. The only model marketplace that will survive are charging hefty fees for other things. And the model marketplace is just one little slice of the pie right do you, do you agree yeah it, it becomes that that extra value add sort of thing as opposed to the real meal um and you know that's so let me ask you this let, let, let's let's you know what does this mean then what, what does this mean for the future of fintech advisor tech where we're a company like this uh just and we talked about abruptly let's explain abruptly they sent out an email about a week and a half ago that said we're closing at the end of the year so before Thanksgiving, they send an email that says you have six weeks in the midst of a pandemic to find an entirely new shop to house all your clients. Uh, listen, I don't know these people, but first and foremost, that's a, that's a dick move. Um, you, you, you could have at least given them a little bit longer uh, lead time. But, but anyway, what, what, do, what, is the, what does this mean for the future of, of uh, advisor tech? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... This is a concern that, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this, like all the merger and, and acquisition stuff that goes on. Um, anytime that you look, as an advisor, anytime that you look to partner with somebody, a new, a new 
tech solution. You need to really stop and think about who it is that you're getting into bed with, who it is that you're willing to, to kind of hang your hat on, whether or not the clients actually know that that's happening or not, because there's just so much. I mean, think about the robos. That's a, that's an easy example. Virtually every robo came out and you know, you have to scratch your head and say, were they really trying to be a great solution or were they trying to be something that could be bought by a custodian? Virtually that all of them have been bought by custodians. Right? Who who is it that you're partnering with? Um, and so, from that standpoint, well, sorry, for this let reason, me interrupt. Not not by they haven't been bought by custodians. They've been bought by asset managers for the most part. Well, yeah, yeah, but in in, in some yeah. in those cases, um, you know, we've seen uh, financial planning things have been bought by by different groups. So, you know, look, it, it doesn't mean that it's bad though. That's the thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but the the end result is you have to understand: Are you trying to partner with somebody, some new tech solution? that looks really cool, is it really there to be a long-term financial solution for you and your business? Or from that other company's perspective, are they trying to create something that might get sold? And that's why you called it a dick move. I mean, I think this is important. This guy didn't sell the, I don't know why. I mean, maybe there wasn't enough volume. That was in one report. Uh, you were in an article talking about well, so this very thing. Remember the, the TD Veo Village? Uh, they had the Tech Village. And, and I remember you, you and I would walk through that and talk to advisors, mm -hmm. and they'd be super excited about all these different uh, uh, new companies coming out. I, I wonder if you go back and look at you know, the Veo Village five years ago, <laughs> you know, how many of those companies are, are even around, right? right? To your point, you know, uh, is this 10 company, are, are they created themselves? Are you their test case? You know, do they just want to sell? Uh, get bought, you know, what's what's the, the end goal? And sometimes you don't know, right? Sometimes it's a new technology and you have to take a shot. But you probably shouldn't put all your business with something that, that you may not have a future. Um, or they, they're so cheap and free that there's a, there's a reason behind it, right? You know, you can't... Uh, you can't operate a business like that. You you have to get paid one way or the other, and and yes, you know I wrote an article, a piece of contributed content for uh, wealth management uh, about uh, an all-in-one solution, and I got a some kind of anger uh, thrown at me, especially <laughs> from tech companies who are smaller. Um, I won't name names, but I think some some feathers were ruffled because it, I do think that you know. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you'll have your handful of folks and that's it because the, the smaller folks just aren't able to put enough money back into the product. Um, I think larger firms that integrate with smaller folks are only doing it to either uh, appease some folks or eventually buy those people out. Um, and and yeah, I think, I think advisors, if you're thinking about the long-term uh, value of your business, you're better off associating with an all-in-one solution and just getting 80% of it um, than trying to piece together these parts of which some parts will just go out of business or get purchased, right? Yeah. I, I, um, you know, another another way to, to think about this is if you're getting ready to partner with somebody, ask the question, how, how big do they have to be for that to function? to that for that to survive right so let's say think about this if you were going to partner with orange when they first got started so orange how how many advisors do you need how many assets do you need for this to be a viable long-term solution right i mean will they give you an answer i don't know but sometimes the question is worth seeing how a company responds it's food for thought yeah absolutely right you got you should and, and i remember there was a blog post written about this that you and i discussed where 
the advisor talked about believing in the future uh, business model of the fintech companies you choose. So if you're going to go out there and choose a, a Riskalyze and an Orion, do you believe in their path forward? You know, are, do they have the the wherewithal to grow their business? Uh, if not, you, you may be stuck with a with a, a smaller company that that's not going to survive, or um, or eight weeks to find a new home. <laughs> correct, correct. So I think I think this is a wake up call for uh, in this space. You know, you uh, you know, advisors. It's frustrating. We talk to them all the time. They're frustrated with technology and trying to implement it. I mean, for fuck's sake, we're frustrated with it uh, and and trying to implement it ourselves. And so, you know, to 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 partner with a firm that can get closed down in six weeks, you know, it's, 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 I feel terrible for those advisors, but. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if we chuckle or we laugh, it's not because we're making fun of anybody. It's just a mess. Sometimes you got to laugh because it's uh, life short, right? You got to keep a little humor in the process. It, it is absolutely frustrating for those involved in something like that. Hell, what was it? Uh, 2007, was it 2007? Curian shut down 2011. I don't even remember. Off yeah, top of my I remember head, that. Yeah. Right. And it just, yeah. boom, that's a two, it was a several billion dollar shop. Uh, I mean, sometimes these things happen and you just sort of shake your head like, what, what, what's going on? But anyway, uh, what, any, conc- any other conclusions, Manish, from this? No, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, full disclosure again, we are actively marketing to Orange users. Um, there's no point in hiding behind that. We feel like we have a solution that can help. Uh, obviously, it's more of a TAMP. So if those advisors, you know, I think there'll be some shakeout. Some people will find another software solution and move on some people will say screw this i don't have enough time let me outsource to a tamp and we'll see how everyone scatters it'll be interesting uh you know we ran some google ads and i saw some of the other people running that like riskalyze and altruist and robust wealth some custodians in there uh so there's there's clearly some people um you know uh putting their best foot forward to compete for the business so um it'll be interesting we'll check back in maybe in in january and february and see you know what 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 happened to everyone yeah i mean you know we don't know maybe maybe nobody wants to take that step forward i mean if you think about if they're driving down the middle of the highway with a model marketplace with a tamp on one side and a diy on the other they may all just go right back to where they started which is doing it themselves uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, there's there's a big difference, and we've got a uh, another podcast. What was it season ten? I think. Or no, yeah, excuse me, season three, episode ten. 10. <laughs> <laughs> wow, God, have we been doing it that long? It's painful. No, I'm kidding. Uh, season three, episode ten was uh, Tamp versus Model Marketplace, and we really dive into the differences and so forth. So, uh, you got any uh, recommendation for this week? Uh, I don't. Actually, what do you got? <laughs> well, I tell you what, we we saw a movie. Kim and I called actually some family the other night. We were thinking, okay, we want to watch a movie. Help us shortcut it. We got some movie freaks in our family. So uh, the new movie that came out was uh, Knives Out. It's been out for a while. Okay, this isn't anything new. But uh, Daniel Craig, one of my favorite actors, uh, was in it. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, I knew exactly what it was. Just we'd never taken time to watch it. It was pretty distinct and cool. So if you like Clue... Right, oh, whether it be playing the game Clue or watching Clue the movie, that was a long time ago. Uh, you will dig this movie. It's one of those that just makes you think, makes you pay attention. Uh, definitely got some twists. So anyway, I think we watched it on Prime, but it's it's out in a lot of places. So yeah, well, we're watching. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to recommend it because I'm I'm losing interest in it. But the first season was at least was at least good, and we're watching Designated Survivor and on Netflix. Um, it's uh, kind of a rip off of Twenty Four. 
Um, I think that was the name of it. Uh, anyway, it's like I'm losing interest because it's 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 one of those shows where the last ten minutes they do something really interesting to to hit you make you hit next episode. Um, but it's it's just like moving in a circular fashion now with you know the plot twist. So I I watched all of those a couple of years ago and I actually enjoyed the the thing. it was one of them I was disappointed when they stopped. Right, all these shows. That's the yeah. you think about it. All these shows at some point come to an end, and very rarely do they come to an end because they've summed it all up and the issue is done. Usually, it's just they don't come back. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm over it. I mean, it's, so it's a half-assed recommendation if you if you want to go watch it. But uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Uh, that's all I have, man. All right. On that note, we're out. And if anybody wants to reach us, just go to PotomacFun.com and click on Contact Connect. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. We need some more subscribers. There you go. Subscribe to YouTube. We've got to do that. Let's, uh, anyway. All right. Thanks. We're out. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 